Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 9 of Trail Talks. In this episode, we will be talking to Kayla, better known as Bug Bite on the Trail. She completed a northbound through hike of the Appalachian Trail this year in 2021, as well as completing a cross-country bike route called the Northern Tier back in 2017. In this episode, we talk about expectations for a long-distance hike, how the AT is truly the people's trail, and all the interesting through-hiking stories in between. We hope you enjoy Episode 9 of Trail Talks. Hello, everyone! Alright, we got another question for you through-hikers. How early out of town were you looking up the restaurants and what food was going to be in your next resupply spot? Ours was... I could tell you, when we hit Virginia, I was probably looking at the next town while in the previous town. (laughs) I was like, is there a McDonald's? Is there... Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So just trash fast food. That's pretty much it at this point. Welcome back to episode 9 of our Instagram live series called Trail Talks. We hope you guys are enjoying the discussions um, and putting faces to the people on trail that you follow. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. Um, again, exciting news. These are on Spotify and I'm finally back to uploading them on Spotify. So we're a little bit delayed, but take us in your car rides. Take us on your hikes. Um yeah, check us over out on Spotify. I'm pretty sure they're on Apple Music too, and yes. all the other places you can um, listen. Listen. <laughs> uh, in this episode, we are talking to Kayla. Uh, we're very excited because she's our first twenty, like real 2021 um, through hiker. She just finished the trail like two weeks ago, so she is fresh. She has all those fresh memories. Uh, excited to pick her brain about it. If you guys have any questions or comments, drop them down, um, and we will try to answer them and respond to you throughout the conversation. Yeah. You have anything else? Nope. Let's go. All right. Let's do it. <sighs> For the amount of times I've done this, you'd think I know where to click the invite button. There we go. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Can't complain. Just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is 9 a.m. here in Korea. 9 a.m. Nice. Mm-hmm. And is it what? Or, wh- where are you calling from? Um, North Carolina. So it's 8 mm-hmm. o'clock. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's nice. We have a lot of East Coast friends. And it's like a 13-hour difference. So we can always usually talk to them on either side of the day. And we know some people from the West Coast, and it's impossible to get in touch with them. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. too much of a time difference. <laughs> yep. I feel like the 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock bookend works out pretty nicely. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so thanks for coming on. Um, I just want to, I guess, like, jump right into it. Sure. That's cool with you? Yeah, of course. Um, so you said you're from North Carolina. Where specifically in North Carolina? Um, I'm currently living in Asheville, so West ah. Yeah. Nice. Are you from, you're not from Asheville? Um, no, I've lived sort of up and down the East Coast my whole life. Um, 
I would say like the majority of that was probably New England, um, but I'm kind of from all over and I've been in Asheville for the last four years. Nice. Okay. What made you move down to Nashville or Asheville? Asheville, uh, yeah, I had some family here and after my bike trip, I needed sort of like a jumping off point and I never really intended to stay here longer than a few months, um, but I am still here. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a it's a gorgeous city. Yeah. Like there's it's it's a hidden gem like in Appalachia. Yeah, there's so much to do. The access to the outdoors is really great. There's a lot of awesome restaurants, breweries, if that's your thing. It is definitely yep. um and yeah, I I think the charm of the city had like captured me a few years ago and um I've been here ever since. Nice. So you talked about, you did a bike tour. Can you just explain that? Because I, I don't know anything about the Northern Tier. Yeah. Um, so I uh, wanted to do a cross-country road trip. And a friend, I was living in Boston at the time. Um, I was like working a nine-to-five job, and I just wanted to switch things up. Um, I had a friend who wanted to come with me and she asked if we wanted to do a bike ride. I think she was joking, um, but I got really attacked. <laughs> um, and I did some more research and um, yeah, found this route called the Northern Tier. It's sort of like an unofficial official route across the country. There's a few different ones. Um, uh, the ACA, which is the Adventure Cycling Association. Um, and so I was living in Boston at the time. I just left out my front door um, and biked all the way to the West Coast, uh, just northwest of Seattle in a town called Anacortes. Wow. That's pretty cool. How long did it take you? Uh, it took me two and a half months. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So is that like, are you doing a mix of camping and staying in towns or is it more one than the other? Like, what is the setup for something like that? Yeah, um, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I sort of made it up as I was going along. Uh, I brought a tent with me, I brought a sleeping bag with me. Um, and there were a lot of places to camp. Um, but there's also really easy access to motels, hotels, um, you're going through towns. And I did a lot of couch surfing. Um, mm, yep. There's a specific app called Warm, um, specifically for touring cyclists. And I utilize, yep. um, which was awesome, because if you stay at motels, um, or inns or wherever you're staying, you don't necessarily get any sort of background where, around where you're staying. And like I said, I'm very East Coast. I don't have a lot of experience anywhere else in the country. So staying with folks um, through warm showers or couch surfing was really awesome because they could tell me a little bit about their town and show off. And I think I gained a, like, a much greater understanding of the country in that way. Yeah, I think that parallels nicely with the hostels along the Appalachian Trail as opposed to getting hotel rooms. Yeah, I to Absolutely. totally agree. Yeah. Um, did you have a like a favorite state going through? Um, yes, I really loved Wisconsin. Oh, um, okay. Weird, a weird discovery. I um, had been told that the Midwest is flat. Uh, Wisconsin has these things called the bluffs that are basically mm -hmm. uh, Mississippi River, uh, not flat. Um, but once you kind of crest those and come down, I don't know if it was like something deeply American in me, but when I saw the Mississippi, I was like, oh my gosh, like the Mississippi River. Um, so Wisconsin was really nice. And uh, Washington, the state of Washington was absolutely gorgeous. I went through the North Cascades before I reached mm -hmm. the and it was really stunning. Um, I think I would have liked Montana a lot, but everything was on fire. So I did not see a lot. <laughs> <laughs> 
that would ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'll go back. I'll go back. Um, I, I guess you answered it in maybe the camping sense, but what are the similarities and differences between um, bikepacking and like backpacking? Yeah. Um, so I think I, there's definitely in the same sense that you're carrying everything on your bike or your, or your back, um, you have everything you, so, um, you can basically stop on a dime and set up camp if you need to. Um, but, but in that sense, I would say like the most similar thing between like through hiking and bikepacking, I think was sort of the mental game, um, in sort of pushing yourself during hard days or when you're not feeling like you want to go further. Um, I found that like mental game to be very similar. Nice. Nice. Um, so what, so you finished in Washington yeah. and then what was the plan after that? Like what did, what happened between, what was it? 2017 to fast forward, I guess, to prepping for the AT. Yeah. Um, so that's when I landed in Asheville. Um, so I had like put everything in a storage unit in Boston and then just drove down to Asheville after that. Um, and just worked a number of odd jobs, um, got really into the outdoors. Um, I've always been into the outdoors recreationally, um, but got really into the outdoors, uh, I guess through jobs. Um, so I zip line guide, um, and I also worked in wilderness therapy. That's really cool. Did you, um, wilderness therapy is that like backpacking um what is that it's a little bit of everything it's like correct me if i'm wrong but it's like some backpacking and hiking like teaching life skills rafting rock climbing like all those kind of outdoor activities right yeah there's um a lot of different types of um, wilderness therapy programs and the one that i worked for um specifically was geared towards youth um up to age 17 um, that uh, maybe needed some extra support in challenges with like mental health or substance abuse or behavioral. Um, and so they came out to the woods and we would take them backpacking and camping. Um, and yeah, I learned a lot of like being out in the woods skills through that job. <laughs> Do you feel like it helped you on the AT? Um, I would say like in terms of my confidence in taking care of myself in the woods, I felt really prepared to go on to the AT and feel like I could live in the woods. Um, but the type of backpacking that we did in wilderness therapy was way, was, was much more geared towards, uh, carrying a lot and doing very few miles. Um, so I had like a huge 65 liter pack on my back and a 40 liter pack on my stomach. Um, but we would hike like four miles a day. Um, so transitioning into through hiking where you want to carry as little as possible and go as far as possible was, um, challenging, but a good challenge, um, in a way that I could take some transferable skills from what I knew in the outdoors and, uh, kind of move it towards this new journey I was going on. Nice. So what made you decide to just want to through hike the Appalachian Trail? Yeah. Uh, it's something that I've wanted to do, I think, as long as I can remember. Um, I was originally born in New Hampshire, and my parents took us hiking and camping a lot. It was car camping, but we would day hike a lot. Um, and I feel like I remember seeing through hikers in the whites and thinking they were like the gold standard or like the pinnacle of athletic achievement. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I was always really impressed. <laughs> and... and I remember, uh, so in 
2016, I day hiked Katahdin with a friend who had soboed the year before, but he hadn't done Knife's Edge. So we went up there and did Knife's Edge to Katahdin. And in July, it was a gorgeous day. Um, this huge group of Nobos finished. They were all celebrating. Someone like proposed to their girlfriend. Um, it was a really celebratory moment that I got to share with them. Well, from the sidelines. Um, and I think like, in, like I, will, I will hike the AT. Uh, and it never really felt like the right time, I guess, until 2021. Nice, nice. I guess going back to the, the pinnacle of athleticism, it must be a different perspective now that you've seen the weekend backpackers that go over the whites as a through hiker. I don't know, when we hit the, <laughs> we hit the whites on Labor Day, um, and the, week, the weekend backpackers that were going over, we were like, move, get out of the way. We were like just pushing them out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think in a sense, yes. And also by the end of my hike, my body felt so broken. I was like, will I, can I, <laughs> a hikers, I don't know. <laughs> how, did, wh how does your body feel now that it's been two or three weeks? Are you still like recovering from any injuries? Um, a, l a little bit. I feel a lot better. I still have like the hiker hobble that everyone has. And I feel when I, I get up from sitting, um, if I'm in a social, social situation, people are like, you good? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's normal. Um, and I have a little bit of plantar fasciitis that I was dealing with at the end of the trail that still is a nagging injury. But other than that, I do feel um, a lot more mobile. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to get back into longer hikes again. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so your trail name was Bug Bite. Can you explain that? Can you explain that story? Yeah, um, sort of explanatory, but there is a there is a longer backstory. Um, so I, I guess I was coming out of Hiawassee, Georgia, and I noticed there was a bug bite on the inside of my knee. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, and then it turned into like five bites. Um, and they kept kind of like getting worse and worse, but they didn't really itch or hurt. They just looked worse and worse as every day went along. Um, and by the time I got to Hot Springs, North Carolina, um, they had spread to my other leg and the back of my thighs. And then by the time I got to Irwin, they had basically congealed into like probably like this big on the inside of my knee. It was like red and purple. And I, I went to urgent care um, and they were at a loss. They don't know what bit me. They basically put me on steroids and doxycycline just in case it was a tick and like a medicated cream, um, which cleared it up, but I still don't have any answers. I'm not sure exactly what. And that never, that never happened again on trail? Like, no. Really? I don't, I mean, my blood work came back negative for Lyme, so I, I don't think it was a tick, but um, yeah, a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't hurt or anything? It was just there? It would get a little irritated in the sun, but it just looked like very grotesque and alarming to the point where mm -hmm. I thought I was, like, had, was coming off the trail into Irwin and we were meeting at Uncle Johnny's, like my whole family. And I like walked onto the deck. Did you, did you guys stay at Uncle Johnny's at all? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like the front deck with all the picnic tables. There was like all these hikers out there. I didn't know any of them. And they were all like, what is wrong with your look? <laughs> I know. I'm going to medical attention. Yeah. <laughs> Oh um when was your when was your start date uh march 22nd do you feel like that was a good time to start yes i didn't want to start too early because i was a little apprehensive of any potential bad weather 
um, in the, in the mountains. And I also really didn't want to run into black fly season, um, in the North. So I feel like that was a good timeline for me. I, I had no idea how long I would take to, to do the hike. I was planning six months for myself. And so I figured if I started at the end of March, that still gave me some like buffer time if I had to get off for an injury or other, other circumstances that I couldn't predict. Are you a hiker that likes to do colder weather or warmer weather? Um, generally colder, but I get very nervous when it's like wet and cold. I understand. <laughs> but generally colder, um, but I didn't want to start in February. Yes. How many people started the same day as you? Like how busy was it? Um, I saw other hikers. The people that registered us told us that there were like at least a hundred people starting a day. Um, wow. I don't, I can't confirm either way, but I will say that I was hiker number, I was 1089. Um, okay, so that was, we started on the 16th back in 2020 and the, uh, we were what, 12 something? 12. 12 something, 1,200 something. Yeah. So I guess it was a little less. I just, I don't know. I, I for me, I guess seeing everyone cancel their 2020 hike and then just postponing it. I thought it was just going to be a, a palooza like all the way down the trail. Like it was just going to be thousands of people doing their hike in 2021. Yeah. Um, uh, 1191. 1191. Our family course. member who started the same day as us. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. You received like we would talk to trail angels and people in those like early trail towns in Georgia and North Carolina who normally see like the huge throngs of people we were asking them like is it more is it less and we got such conflicting responses that it was hard to tell it did feel like there were a lot of people on trail but it also felt like those Georgia shelters and campsites were built for like massive amounts of people so it was it was really hard to tell um until things sort of thinned out as you got down the trail yeah going into like those towns in the beginning was it kind of like a, I need to call ahead to make sure I have a room or a space available to sleep? Or was it like racing other through hikers to get into town? Or did you find it pretty easy? Um, I felt like it was always a wise decision to call ahead. Even as we got into like Tennessee, Virginia, um, I think I was in the bubble for most of the trail and got a, like a, got a little bit out of it. At, at the end um but it always felt like there were a lot of people around me and um that the hostels were were full when I, so we always sort of made a point to at least call ahead by one or two days just to try to get a spot nice. this is going back to the beginning did you hike um the approach trail did you do amicalola to spare i didn't do it we went to Amicalola to register, and then a friend of ours drove us to Springer to start. Um, we had I know, everyone wrapped <laughs> for, um, but I, I was really gung ho on the approach trail, and then a lot of people told us, like previous through hikers, had told us it wasn't worth it and it wasn't a white blaze, um, so we didn't do it, and I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, didn't do it. Um. I guess since you were you were in wilderness therapy and you had backpacking experience before, did you feel like you had your gear dialed in? Like, do you feel like you were comfortable with your gear from day one? Um, 
I would say I really liked the gear pieces that I used. I don't know that I like felt super confident going into it. I was just like, I'm going to, I did a lot of research um, and I did a lot of shakedown hikes and I liked what I had. Um, and coming out of my hike, I really didn't switch out a ton of things. Like I switched out a sleeping bag for a, uh, a warm weather sleeping bag, but I didn't really, I loved my backpack. I loved my tent. Um, I feel like the shakedown hikes were super useful in sort of like dialing in the little pieces of gear that I needed. Um, but for my big piece gear, my big pieces of gear, um, yeah, I really liked what I was using. Nice. I have another question about that. So you were saying before you had like the 65 liter and the 40 liter on your front. What was it like? Was it difficult to try and like limit down everything into a smaller pack when you first started looking at gear? Or did you find it easy to just kind of cut out what was unnecessary? Uh, no, it was definitely a learning process. Uh, <laughs> that's where I think the shakedown hikes really helped because with wilderness therapy, I was carrying a lot of my stuff and then like extra gear and then things for the kids. Um, and so when, like, for example, when I was trying to make my first aid kit, I'm used to carrying a huge first aid kit with everything under the sun. And I was like, okay, what do I actually need for the trail for myself? And I still feel like I brought an excessive amount of things for my first aid kit, but, um, doing the shakedown hikes were really helpful in being like, you don't need two pairs of clothes. Like you can use one pair of clothes to hike and you're going to smell bad, but it's fine. Um, so those things were definitely a learning process, but it was it was helpful to do those things before the trail and then just sort of like drop things as needed as the trail. Cool. Nice. What was your first night on trail like? Oh my gosh. Where? Okay. So it was super weird. We, uh, we started at Springer, so we didn't do the approach trail. So I think we went seven or eight miles. They, you know, they recommend doing lower mileage in the beginning and whatever the first, I can't remember for the life of me what that shelter name was. Um, whatever the first shelter was, they had like an official campsite for it like half a mile before. But it was one of those campsites that were set up really oddly where it's sort of like down on switchbacks. You like kind of like walk a, a switchback all the way down to the water source. And there were three of us. I started with two friends, um, co-workers of mine. And we didn't want to go to the shelter because we suspected that it would be super crowded um, which we were told the next day it was. Um, but we camped at this this weird campsite and we were trying to like squeeze all of our tents in on like one tent pad instead of using a tent pad for our, like each of ourselves. Um, and my friend got like really sick, like a weird spell all night. Um, and I think we were just really nervous, you know, like we were like yeah. nervous and we had no idea what to expect. Um, but there were, but like once we got hiking again the next day, there were so many people. It was just fun to meet people and ask what their names were, where they were from, and yeah, just sort of like that general excitement. Um, yeah, getting those like first night jitters out of the way. Yeah. 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 I remember when we camped, uh, we camped at Stover Creek. I think that was the first shelter mm -hmm. after, after Springer at least. Yeah. And uh, we got there super late at night. We got there like seven, well, I guess it was early, like five o'clock when the sun was going down. All the tent spots were taken. Um, and so we like had to find this makeshift one in the back, like right behind the actual shelter. And I just remember seeing everyone, everyone was friendly, but everyone was also trying to like size each other up being like, like, what's your gear? What's this? How are you doing? How many miles did you do? <laughs> did you get that a lot in the beginning? Did you get a lot of people who were just like, I don't know, not there for the right reasons? 
Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was, I don't know what it was, but there was, yes, a lot of fear mongering and like talking about miles and talking about gear and like base weight. And I was like, I don't know, like whatever I weighed at Springer is what my backpack weighs. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people were trying to talk about their experience. And I don't know if it was like to amp themselves up, um, but it definitely came across as like a lot of people um, talking about a lot of things. Sorry. Sorry. No, you're good. I was trying to and, turn my sound. <laughs> and, and that, and those are the people, in my opinion, those are the people that usually don't make it very far. The ones that are very just center focused around either just their own mileage or others' mileage and their own gear or others' gear. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's everyone hikes their own hike, but it was, it, I remember in the beginning being very just like uncomfortable by the amount of people who are just so invested in probably not the right things uh, for the trail like that. Um, how quickly did you meet? Because I know you started hiking with the Tramley pretty early on. How quickly did you meet them? And um, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was awesome. I feel like when you research the AT, people talk about Tramleys a lot. Um, but you don't want it to be forced, you want it to be organic, you're not really sure like how it's going to happen. Um, so I started with my two friends. Um, and we had met a couple folks. Uh, I think it was Gooch Mountain Shelter. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of the earlier. So I think we stayed the second night and had met a f couple of folks, someone had built a fire, and we were just hanging out around the fire. Um, and then the next morning, we got trail magic, like a breakfast trail magic um at woody gap and our plan had to been had been to roll into neil's gap on day four um just to keep our mileage low in the beginning um we were all sitting there and the guy doing trail magic was like there's a huge storm coming in tomorrow you guys should not be on blood mountain um tomorrow you should really think about being safe um whatever that means for you um and so uh this, my friend Erica um, was like, all right, well, I'm just going to call the Blood Mountain Cabins and see what they have available. Um, and they had one cabin left available with six spots. Uh, and we were all just sitting there. And she like was like, all right, one, two, three, four, five, you in? Um, and we were like, okay, I guess that means we're doing a 16-mile day today, which, like, in retrospect, is very doable, but at the time felt very daunting. Um, so we just all kind of happened at happened to end up at the same cabin um because she took initiative to book this cabin um and we stayed there and we stayed we zeroed the next day because there was a huge storm it's the one that actually like knocked out the stairs at amicalola um, oh i remember that yeah yeah so we zeroed that day and then just ended up hiking together um for a while after that nice yeah um what was what was I going to ask? It was about the trampoline. Did you see, um, did you see trampoline starting like very early on, like the first couple days? Like, did you see kind of clicks forming and people breaking off and starting to hike together? Yes. Yes. Um, which was cool to see people bonding. And then there were also folks that were just kind of like doing their own thing and like floating groups. And I think everyone was really just like, trying to figure out what they wanted out of this hike 
and what they wanted, like if they wanted to be in a tramway early on or if they wanted to like hike more miles or less miles. Um, but I did see a lot of like big group, like big, big groups forming in the beginning. Um, and some of them stayed like stayed together till the very end. Wow. That's yes. really cool. It's really impressive. What was, um, what was your dynamic like in the first tramway? Did you guys like hike together? Did you guys hike separately? Um, did you like meet up for lunch and dinners and camp? Um, yeah, I think that we were all hiking at different speeds. I was definitely on the slower side. Um, so we just kind of met, met up at various points in the day and would always have a plan for where we wanted to end up um, at the end of the day, which was nice. Um, it didn't feel as stressful to like keep up with other people's speeds. I understand that. What was your approach to miles in the beginning? I know you're saying like you did smaller, but then you got pushed. So how many were you doing before that? And then after you were able to do 16 miles, did you start upping it right away? No, no, I don't think we did. We stayed sort of in between like probably 10 and 12 in the beginning. Um, I feel like I remember our first 14, 15 mile day was in the Smokies. Um, and then I think we did our first 20 mile day the day before we went into Irwin, which was a mistake because I think we had heard other people were doing it. And so we wanted to try to do a 20 mile day, um, but we didn't look at the elevation profile, um, which is a rookie mistake. So <laughs> I went from Hogback Ridge Shelter, which is like right before you go under that interstate where Tennessee is there and you go over Sam, Sam's knob and then big bald. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the shelter that we ended up at, but I feel like that day was very hard. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think we pushed that we should. Um, but we did a really good job of dialing up mileage and not going out too fast. I know I was really worried about an overuse injury I had some like nagging Achilles things when I started, so I didn't want to push it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we did a pretty good job. It worked out. <laughs> um, I was going to say, what were some of the hardest climbs that you remember from the beginning? Uh, so my friends and I always joke about Jacob's ladder. Yeah. Oh my God. It was <laughs> terrible for no reason. Horrible. <laughs> I just remember like we had to stop like every five seconds and we were like, yep. um, I wonder what it would be like to climb now. That one sticks out um, really vividly. Um, Blood Mountain did not stick out too bad. Like I thought it was really beautiful. That one was fine. I thought it was, that one was like overhyped. Um, the climb out of the NOC was long. <laughs> Oh, Chihuahua no. Bald was terrible. Yeah. It was so bad. Oh, I was... remember that now. It was good weather for us. And then literally Jacob's Ladder is literally right after right that. Right after that. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, you can skip all of it. <laughs> I just really remember Jacob's Ladder being like horrible. And that hike, hike down into Fontana Dam was also just never ending. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, when are we getting here? <laughs> oh my gosh, we had gotten up at like, 4 a.m. because we had heard it was gonna rain so there were like seven of us that got up and like packed up our tents I'm sure we woke up the whole entire camp like we were such jerks and we got into Fontana Dam and then it didn't even rain like the whole day and we like 
<laughs> That's awesome. Wait, you zeroed on Fontana Dam, right? I we, remember those pictures. We did. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I saw the pictures on the boat and I'm like, I'm so jealous. This, yeah. That oh, looks so nice right now. Pontoon boat and went out on the, on the water. It was awesome. Dang, wow. dang. It was all closed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, what was what was your Smokies experience like? We had clear weather um, for the most part. Uh, there were a couple days like it got really cold at night. Um, I remember. I think is it ice ice water shelter the first one out of Gatlinburg. Um, I remember that night was very cold. Like everyone woke up with their like tents frost, like frosted over and um, you, like where you're putting down your tent and your hands are like claws because they're so cold. Um, but we didn't get any wet, like any wet weather. It like snowed a little bit on our last day in the Smokies, but not enough to impact um, anything. So we got super lucky. Nice. What were the shelters like? Because I know that can be a bit of a headache with whoever is like section hiking or going in for the weekend or the days. Very crowded. Very crowded, yeah. Um, I think it was Triker. I, I showed mm -hmm. around 3 p.m. The shelter was entirely full, like all the tent spots were entirely taken already. Uh, and I was a bit panicked because I think the next shelter was they're, they're spaced out so far apart that if you don't get a spot it's like a significant distance to go to the next one um and there happened to be a ridge runner there who told us that there was like a horse hitch like 500 yards up the trail that was pretty flat that we could camp there so i set up my i was the first one to set up my tent there and by the time i went to bed i think there were at least 20 or 25 other tents up there uh, wow so it was very crowded, but again, I was, I was right, I think, smack in the middle of the bubble. Um, so I'm not sure that that was everyone's experience, but it was definitely very crowded while we were there. Were there any um, viewpoints or climbs that you did prior to through hiking the AT in the South that you were looking forward to going back to? Max Patch. Mm. So I had been to Max Patch before a couple times with friends from Asheville. Um, and I was really excited to feel like I had reached that destination with my own team. Um, and it, it was really exciting, I think. So the two friends I started with are also from Asheville. Um, and my friend Allie and I, as we were like hiking up to Max Patch, like we both had this like very visceral, like excitement of just like this, like Max Patch is so special and, um, it was really nice to be there. Uh, we had some friends from Asheville drive out and join us for the night and we had like incredible weather. It was really windy when we got there, but the wind died down to nothing. Um, and that was, that's a night that I remember from trail being really special. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what, so you, you went into Hot Springs. Did you stay at Laughing Heart? We didn't stay at Laughing Heart. We stayed at a some cottage some rent some rental cottage um closer to the train tracks um but we did do laundry at laughing heart because that was the only place in town that had laundry <laughs> of course <laughs> what was your meal from the smoky mountain diner yeah we ate there twice um 
we narrowed, <laughs> we narrowed into hot springs we stayed at that shelter that was like three miles up the trail got mm -hmm. up really hiked into town for breakfast and i had omelet Def i always go for omelets i definitely had an omelet and i definitely had a pancake and then the next day we came back i had pancakes again that food was like such a religious experience I remember getting in and that was the first thing we did was go there and get food. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Someone just <laughs> skillet and I didn't get the breakfast skillet, but a couple of my friends did and it looked incredible. Nice. <laughs> when did the hiker, when did the hiker hunger hit you? Early on for sure. Um, I was super hungry all the time. I don't like, I feel like a lot of people talked about not being hungry the first like week or two on trail, but I did not ever experience that. Like I was hungry pretty early on. Um, but I feel like I lost my hiker hunger. Oh, the trail until the hundred mile, like the hundred mile wilderness. I had my hiker hunger back again. Um, but before that, like most of new England, I, I was not very hungry. I don't really know why, but Interesting. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I was rationing my food. <laughs> um, did you, uh, this is going off of food, did you ever sleep, or I'm sorry, not sleep, did you hang your food in the beginning? And then did you hang your food throughout the hike? I actually hung my food throughout the whole hike. Wow. I know it's uncommon and I have no judgment towards anyone else who did whatever they wanted to do. But um, in wilderness therapy, we did have a couple bear hangs um, tore, tore down by bears. Um, they were bad bear hangs. But um, I think I just sort of was of the opinion that I, I just wanted to hang my food and I didn't want to put the bears closer to humans and have them be put down or what I feel like every state has a policy with what they do with um, aggressive bears. But I just, I... Yeah, I hung my food, but no judgment. <laughs> did any animals, um, did any animals get into your food, whether it's like mice or rodents or anything like that? No, no, I've heard like I heard of some other folks getting nipples here and there, but I didn't have anything. Oh, actually, yeah, not me. But when we did camp on Max Patch, a raccoon stole a whole bunch of food bags because some folks were cowboy camping up there. Uh, <laughs> He didn't, I thought it was like a joke at first because there were like seven or eight food bags missing. Um, we had like a pretty big group camping up there. And then we heard food bags from folks camping on the other side of the patch had also gone missing. Um, and we found them like all torn to shreds down, down mm -hmm. the trail. Oh, no. And the only one that we couldn't recover was some guy had an ursack. And that was the only one that like we couldn't recover. But um, aside from that, Nothing, nothing. Got nice, nice. What was the trail magic like? Was it like very prevalent and every single road you were coming to? We had a lot of trail magic in the beginning, for sure. Um, I don't know if folks typically do that because the crowds are larger in the beginning for the Novo season or if people were just excited um, that folks were out again after 2020. Um, but we people were so generous and so nice. And I feel like we had a lot of trail magic, which was overwhelming and it felt undeserved for sure in the beginning. Um, but it was also exciting that people were excited that we were out there. Um, 
there was a lot. And I, and I am excited to return the favor um, for, for folks next year. Mm-hmm. Was it mostly people that were providing the trail magic, mostly people that hiked the trail before that were doing it? Oh, no. No, it was like some folks, who, some folks who had and then other folks who were just like, we do this every year. And they, maybe they were affiliated with the church or maybe they were affiliated with someone else or maybe they just like hikers and um, come out and do it every year. Uh, it seemed like especially folks in Georgia and North Carolina like had their spots that they do it at. Every Show us pictures from year bef- years before and um, yeah, it like shows that that community is not just hikers. It goes like well beyond um, what's directly on the trail for sure. Absolutely. What was the bougiest trail magic you got? Like what was the most over the top, um, whether it's like the best food or. Man, there were so wonderful people out there. Um, I would say, um, so I think you guys know why, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we hiked with her. Yep. Yes. Water Queen was out there um, doing trail magic. Um, And I saw we saw her I saw her in Virginia. And then I saw her in West Virginia. And then I saw her like all over New England. And she was just the best like she's the nicest person. um, And would provide so much to hikers. Um, that it was absolutely incredible. Like she's just such a joy to see. And I don't know if it's like the bougiest trail magic, but it's like my most fond memory of trail magic mm-hmm. because she was always around when you needed her. And she was so wonderful. She was a forest fairy when we were hiking such with a her. Forest fairy. Like she would just appear out of nowhere and we'd be like, oh my God, water queen. <laughs> she did that with <laughs> Yes. I think her daughter was hiking, right? Her daughter was like, yeah, the trail. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Smart. I passed very fast. Oh, oh, you froze for a second. Okay, let's see. Is that better? Okay. Um, I was gonna ask. So, um, what mileage marker did you get to? Um. And when was the moment that you started to feel like, oh, wow, this is real. Like, I'm really doing this. And I'm, like, really going all the way. I don't know if I ever had a... Mm-mm. I have a bad habit of, like, not letting myself feel like I'm going all the way till I'm, like, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like my moment of feeling like, oh, this is real was probably the end of Virginia. So like, I remember mile marker 900 being like, uh, okay, like I like started to get the Virginia blues a little bit, like the honeymoon period had sort of faded a little bit. Um, I didn't have them so bad that I wanted to quit, but I definitely was like, okay, like I am not even halfway. I'm not even to Harper's Ferry. Um, I feel like I have done a lot, but I still have a lot to go. Um, So it was definitely like starting to change like my mental game in terms of like preparing myself for the long haul, long haul. Gotcha. Uh, when, uh, when did the honeymoon phase end for you? Is there like a specific moment that you remember just being like, I don't want to get on trail today? Um, 
There were, I don't know that I ever, actually, there was one day where I was like, I am quitting this trail. And that was the day. I and I don't know if it was just like, we had just finished the wipes and I thought we had done the hardest part. And then Southern Maine like kicked my ass. But I was just falling so much. And I don't know if I would, I don't know. I had like a really bad 36 hours and there were a lot of tears. And I remember like literally crossing the border and there was a huge group of us and they were all like, yay, Maine. And I was like, I hate this trail. And I'm like crying. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and, but, so was Mahusik, um, um, we'll, we'll get to that. But was Mahusik not a bad time for you then? No, I liked Mahusik. It was like right before Mahusik where it was just like, I don't know if it was just like my body was really tired and I was, it was just sort of like, I can't do, like, I can't continue doing this for another three weeks. Um, but that was like the only time I feel like I was seriously considering quitting. And my friends were super nice. They were like, okay, bug bite. Like, you don't have to decide today. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't in like I don't have to prove anything to anyone and they were like no you also don't have to decide today <laughs> um, so other than that I mean like there were days where I was definitely like I don't want to hike but thankfully I feel like once you sort of like get into the groove of it you're sort of like okay yeah I like this I can do this mm -hmm. I like being out better than I like being other places absolutely what were the uh Shenandoahs like for you yeah the Shenandoahs I feel like when I think of the Shenandoahs I'm like I don't like the Shenandoahs but there were good things about the Shenandoahs and I I think when I got to the Shenandoahs it felt very weird and touristy and it felt like there weren't a lot of views um and it felt like the park was more geared towards car tourists than hikers um but I had a lot of friends who were from Virginia and they said that the Shenandoahs were actually really gorgeous. Um, just that the AT didn't go through any of those parts. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of a shame. Um, but the Shenandoahs allowed me to push myself a little bit more um, and like push bigger mile days and kind of show myself like what I was capable of physically. Um, so I try to like remember that part of the Shenandoahs rather than just like I didn't love them um but yeah they, they felt kind of weird just with like the waysides I don't know if they were open they probably weren't open for you guys oh, they no were. They, were. they were they were we were there on fourth of July so everything was open yeah it's just kind of like Disney World but like National Park style mm -hmm. it was yeah. I was expecting and I think I was just um overwhelmed a little bit were there a lot of people there when you went through? Yeah, there were. And the shelters and campsites were all, like, crowded again, like the Smokies. And I was just sort of, like, frustrated to show up at camp and be like, man, like, I, I don't want to stress about having a spot to camp because a lot of the stealth spots had been um, covered up with, like, branches and trees and things like that. So there mm. were opportunities were really few and far between. Yeah. For me, at least, the reason the Shenandoahs were kind of not ruined, but the beginning of it was definitely underwhelming was because the um, uh, the stretch before it, Glasgow to Waynesboro, like kicked my butt so freaking hard that like 
coming out of Waynesboro, going into the Shenandoahs, I was just so mentally and physically like beat up Defeated. that I was just like, I don't want to do this right now. Like, I don't want to road walk right now. Yeah. Um, well, was that was that stretch hard for you? Like going over the priest and all of those? Yes, I remember like the Three Ridges Wilderness being really hard. And the priest was hard. And it was hot and like the water sources were bad. And um, I think that's when the Virginia blues kind of started to set in. And I was like, yes, the state is really nice, but also like get me out of here because yeah. to like feel like I'm having some sort of like progress to, to, to keep going. <laughs> um, did you stay at, um, oh my God, what was, it was in Damascus. Literally, why can't I think of the name? The Broken Fiddle. The Broken Fiddle. Did you stay at the Broken Fiddle? I did, yes. Did you meet Treehouse? Uh, yes. Okay, so Treehouse, when we stayed there, he was like, dude, I just got back from Waynesboro. Like, when you get to Glasgow, like, good luck. It's going to kick your ass so hard. And so we just, like, going through Virginia, we were like, get ready for Glasgow. Get ready for <laughs> Glasgow the entire time. Um, I think he, like, did he break his leg or he... He hurt himself in the middle of the Shenandoahs oh, when everything was mm. still closed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he so was sneaking trying through. trying to get out was a bit of a headache for him. Yeah. So he was, like, limping the entire way. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, he always said, just get ready for it. He's like, it's going to be bad. And it really... I don't know. I would, I would say that it, that was probably one of the hardest stretches on trail, in my opinion. Until, you know... It was also really hot for us during that stretch too. So like mm -hmm. just being exposed in the sun the entire time was stressful, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, did it did it get hot in Virginia when you were going through? Yeah, it did. It was, pre it was pretty hot. I guess I like thought it was really hot and then I got to Pennsylvania and I was like, wow, this is 10 times worse. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just it being really warm and just like everything. Yeah. And then just like moving north and everything just getting warmer and like the water sources getting worse. And um, I was grateful for the green tunnel and a lot of those. Um, so mm -hmm. If it had just been direct sunlight, I don't think I would have survived. Yeah. How was how was Pennsylvania? Was it were you ready for it? Was it worse than you thought? Was it better than you thought? No. I thought like I I know everyone like amps it up and they're like it's Roxylvania and I just I, I don't know I struggled I was on old shoes and I just could not move as fast as I was used to um and those rocks just really hurt my feet I was really like demoralized going through most of that state and was very happy to be done with it <laughs> yeah also those towns kind of suck they don't like really give you much to look forward to <laughs> yeah they're deaf yeah no <laughs> yeah. um what was your favorite mid-atlantic state or did you well i mean did well first did you enjoy the mid-atlantic and if you enjoyed it what was your favorite state are we defining sorry like my geography is not great are we defining the mid-atlantic with virginia to new jersey or is new jersey part of the north i'm uh, pa west virginia oh. PA, Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Connecticut, yeah. yeah. Loved New Jersey. Loved New Jersey. I don't know if that's because I was just out of Pennsylvania and was very happy, but I had a great time in New Jersey. 
Um, thought it was really beautiful. Didn't know to expect there. I enjoyed New York, but I feel like we were playing a weird mental game there um, because we had been doing like bigger miles and then somehow like we're not reaching the miles that we wanted to do in New York. Um, but as we started to talk to other hikers across the board, it seemed like it was a really common phenomenon. Um, and I don't know if it was just like the terrain had started to climb again um, or what, uh, but we, had, I mean, we were deli blazing, we were swimming in, in lakes and ponds and having a good time. It was just confusing because I think we were like, why can't we do these big mile days that we're used to? Um, yeah, but I, I, I loved New Jersey the best for sure. Connecticut was really nice um, until everything started flooding and being really wet all the time, basically through Vermont. Um, but I would it was my favorite. Yeah. Nice. We're from Jersey yeah. and we defend it like hidden gem. everyone goes right through the water gap and they're like, wow, this is beautiful. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, Jersey's gorgeous. It's not just the Jersey shore and like New York City. <laughs> like it is a really beautiful state and there's a lot of things that it offers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's flat. It's like, thank it's you. So nice. <laughs> thank you for like letting me walk and enjoy the nature instead of like looking at my feet the entire time. Yeah. There's like wild blueberries and yeah. berries. It was just really, I, I loved New Jersey. It was really nice. nice. Us too. Us too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We jumped a lot of questions. That's yeah. okay. Uh, how would, oh, how is Bear Mountain? I feel like that's, I don't know, just Bear Mountain, New York. Oh, yeah, the one with the big tower at the top. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that one was definitely uh just, like, put your head down and grind kind of day. Um, I think we were trying to make it to the zoo by the closing time. Um, so we were just, like trying to get there and I think it was also calling for thunderstorms later in the day so we were yeah put your head down and grind I remember it was a really hot day um and by the time we got to the top like those those vending machines that charge you like five dollars for a Powerade is a <laughs> welcome to New York <laughs> I purchased one and it tasted great um and then we like well, then we went down those really nice steps like the other side was really nicely constructed and we just kind of went through the zoo, which was very underwhelming. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, that day. What? And like in those exposed parts where they have like the benches and then you can be on the huge rock face. Was it, were there a lot of people there when you went through? There were, and a lot of them had started to like come. I remember there was a couple that had started to come down the AT like I was still going up, I hadn't reached the tower yet. And they were like, hey, like, does this go back to the inn or whatever the hotel, like the big hotel is that everyone stays at? And I was like, oh, no, no, like, you like have to go down back the other side. This is the AT. It's like going down to Georgia. And they were like, what? And I like tried to explain what it was. And they were just like, Phew. and I was like, never mind, like, just turn around wrong way. <laughs> New Yorkers are the best. They're so oblivious to yeah, it. It's so funny. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I from Georgia. I was like, never mind. It's fine. <laughs> Did you have a lot of those experiences? Did you have people on the AT that were just confused what the Appalachian Trail was? Um, a few, but most of them, 
I think by the time we started getting north, like a lot of people were just sort of like, you, are you a through hiker? Um, they kind of like, they kind of knew, but occasionally you get, you'd get someone like, you know, you're on Mount Washington and people are like, wow, you have a really big bag. Did you hike up here? Like people just, you know, are not in the world of hiking. So they're, they're not. Mm-hmm. We just. <laughs> well, I, I remember uh, when we went through Shenandoah, probably every, every like five miles, we would come across a day hiker and they'd be like, so where do you shower every night? And I was just like, uh, and they're like, wait, what's the AT? And I'm like, you're on the Appalachian Trail. They're like, what, what is it? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm like, I'm not explaining this for the fifth time at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like in the beginning of the trail, I got kind of frustrated because I had this idea, like I'm going out into the wilderness to camp and hike and I'm not gonna see people or civilization. And that's not the AT, like you cross a road crossing quite frequently. And I think, it took me a while, but by the end of the trail, I actually kind of appreciated that um, in that the AT is sort of like the people's trail. And I think access to the outdoors is super important. And it's really cool that you can get on the AT pretty much anywhere and hike as long as you want, whether you want to do a mile or whether you want to do 2,100 miles. Um, I, I think that's that's a pretty cool cool way to get people out into the outdoors. But yes, in the beginning, it definitely frustrated me because I was like, this is not the wilderness. <laughs> but I, I ended up appreciating that a lot more by the by the end, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was really well said. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I, we had no one on the trail last year and we didn't really see anyone out on trails. So like coming across even the random day hikers, it was really nice to just like spark a conversation and just to really like, see all walks of life from the south from the north just seeing like you all live near each other but you all think very differently um and it was just yeah it was it was very cool to just see different approaches to life yeah it was like it's their literally their backyard you're literally walking through some people's backyards (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and do you want to go back to pa did you have questions about pa oh what happened with the half gallon challenge i saw your photo and like your whole family I failed so miserably and I <laughs> first because I, I love ice cream and I was talking such game leading up to that <laughs> and I didn't even I didn't even finish the court. I don't even know. Maybe maybe I, I ate breakfast that day. I don't know if that was like my fatal flaw. Um but most of my group finished in like under thirty minutes. Very impressive. Oh my god. I really <laughs> failed. <laughs> Yeah, we failed. We failed too. Yeah, that's a I, that's a hard challenge. I don't know. <laughs> it is. Did you let the ice cream melt? I didn't. I thought that that would be cheating, but I know some people did that. There's no rules, so I don't know why I thought that was cheating. But <laughs> I, I just yeah. And I even did you. Sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, I was gonna say, did you hike after that? We did, but not right away, and it was. <laughs> not eat that much ice cream um we went to that little state park public park that was over there and we like jumped in the jumped in the lake for for a few hours and then i think we just hiked up to the first shelter that was closest and maybe it was seven miles up but we definitely waited waited a while (laughs) really smart (laughs) i don't know i think we got there and the record had been broken right before we got there like a week before we got there 
and someone had done it in like five minutes. I, I, <laughs> they were okay afterwards, but oh, I feel like there should be a rule. Like if you don't keep it down, it doesn't count. Five minutes, five minutes of that much ice cream. I don't know if it stayed in their stomach. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. Do you remember last year? Um, it was a YouTuber wild on the trail hiked it. It was like an older gentleman. Okay. I, I, uh, really, I only follow people on Instagram. I, I didn't do the YouTube thing. Gotcha. Um, well, he, he was like right ahead of us. We were really excited just cause he had like a bigger YouTube following. It was like kind of meeting a trail celebrity at the time. And so we came across him at the half gallon challenge and we walk up to the general store and he's like walking out, like holding his belly. And like, he like slaps us on the back and he's like, yeah, just did it in 25 minutes. He's like, you got it. You got it guys. We're sitting there like 55 minutes in, crying. like crying. <laughs> We're just like, oh my God, like I can't do this. <laughs> I even tried to like strategize. I was like, I'm going to go for Neapolitan. Like I'm not going to get any ice cream that has like accoutrements in it. And I still, yeah, I didn't even. It's definitely like something that middle-aged men can excel at. <laughs> like it's, it's a dad thing. Like dads love ice cream and there's so many guys out there and they can just like eat it like it's nothing. That's true. <laughs> They've been preparing it for their whole life. I'm going to use that as for why I failed. I am not. <laughs> uh, did you have any favorite shelters in Pennsylvania? I was thinking about that and I feel like I stealth camped a lot in Pennsylvania. But I do remember going through that shelter. Is it something quarry shelter? It's a really nice shelter. It has like the two shelters and then like the tarp flowers. Quarry Gap, yeah, I think. That was it. We got there at like 4.45 and I don't remember how many miles we had done for the day. In Pennsylvania, I feel like I was really like, I got to do miles. I don't know why I thought that. But we got there and I was, and everyone was like, bug bite. We cannot pass up this shelter. It's so nice. And I was like, I, I understand. Like, I think I'm going to go a little further um, just because it's only 445, which was so stupid. We should have just stayed there. But um, we pushed on. But that's the one shelter I regret not staying at. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Did you do a lot of shelter camping? I feel like I went back and forth. I definitely did not stay in a ton of shelters in the beginning because um, I was still like a little bit uncomfortable with COVID and I wasn't sure like what was happening um, with other folks. So I definitely tented most exclusively in the beginning. Um, and then I think I started using shelters a little bit more probably like in the mid-Atlantic. Um, and then the bugs got, like, when the bugs started to get bad, I didn't get any shelters. Yeah. Um, and then kind of at the end, I was, like, back and forth, but I was starting to feel, like, nostalgic already. And I was like, I just want to sleep in my tent. Like, I only have a few more weeks, like, you know, a few more days left, a few more weeks left. Um, I went back and forth. I definitely was lazy a lot of the time. And if it was, like, bad weather, the shelters were really nice. Um, but it kind of depended I guess on where I was and what the weather was like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When did the bugs start getting bad? What state were the bugs bad in? <sighs> I feel like I remember starting to notice them in New York and then they were just absolutely atrocious in Massachusetts. 
Like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh, oh, awful. Um, yeah, Massachusetts and Vermont were were bad, but Massachusetts especially. That was yeah, that like that stretch like right before Great Barrington. Like everyone's like running through those five miles. It was horrible. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say there's like those sections of mass where it's just like a bog yeah. and you're just going. You're just sprinting as fast mm -hmm. as you can through them. Bad. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. They are atrocious. Definitely. Yeah. Those. So did you hit Vermont in like peak mud season? I I think so. I, I have yeah. not it to um but based on like what locals were saying they were saying it was very very muddy compared to normal like it like her, we hit like connecticut massachusetts and vermont kind of like right after hurricane elsa so i think we had sort of had like the remnants of that and then it rained a fair amount in like massachusetts and southern vermont pretty much that like whole time we were there so everything was like very wet and very muddy yeah. Well, I don't think we did, did we? No, we were too late. Nice. <laughs> we were too late. It was also a very dry year last year. It, like, rarely rained on us. Yeah, good job. That was definitely, like, took an emotional toll on me on some days. I... <laughs> oh, it does. Huge patch of mud, and I would just be like, how, how is there more mud? <laughs> <laughs> did had... you meet Lot? Oh, I'm sorry. What were we going to say? No, I was going to say, we, we stayed at... Um... Green Mountain Hostel in Manchester Center. Um, you guys didn't stay there? Uh, I, I have a story about that. I'll, we'll, we'll go into it. <laughs> uh, we always stayed there and um, had a great stay, but he, like, we had, like, all gotten in, and he was just like, cool, like, if you guys want to clean your shoes off, there's a hose over there. And he had these, like, huge industrial, like, boot dryers where everyone was, like, drying their shoes, and I just felt like that was the first time my shoes had been dried since before Connecticut. <laughs> um, so for Manchester, we were going to stay, I think either that, at that hostel or, or, motel, or yeah, somewhere in Manchester. And um, there was this like on gut hooks in the comments, there was this new hostel that opened up and it was called the Itsy Bitsy Farm Hostel. And it was this, I don't know who it was, but some guy that owned a farm, a really terrible farm, um, was, it was a yard with goats. It was a yard with it goats. Wasn't a farm. It was just, it was a crappy farmhouse. And he was trying to start a hostel and there was just a lot of family issues that happened at the house. And like, we felt like we got tied up in a, just an abusive family for the night. And I was just very regretful because like, I was very angry at my family because they were all about it. And I was like, I just want to stay in town. Like, I don't want to like go out. And we, um, we slept in a pop-up camper it was in right. the yard. <laughs> oh, no. You just, like, show up to Vermont, and you're like, wow, everything is, like, luxurious and bougie, and everything is nice. And we were, like, sleeping next to goats, and we're like, wow, this is, it feels like the South again. <laughs> oh, that sounds like an awkward situation, for sure. There's there's, like, yeah, there's always, like, one hostel where you're just like, if I could do this over, this would not be the hostel that I choose, but... <laughs> Are <laughs> yeah. Which one was it for you? Um. Yeah, there there were a few down south. No, I mean all of them were were different in their own way. 
think there was one in Virginia. I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, that the owners were super nice, but I was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't stay. I like camped outside instead of staying inside. Cause I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my own thing. Like yeah. the place to stay. And I appreciate what you're trying to do for hikers, but I, uh, yeah. <laughs> there are some hostels that claim that there are hostels, but they, they really shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and I like, I always like want to support people that are supporting hikers, but also sometimes I'm like, I feel like, I feel like there are things you like kinks you need to maybe work out first. <laughs> I will. Oh. Like maybe a working bathroom. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I heard the itsy bitsy hostel. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I don't know that I heard yeah. I don't know if it's it true. definitely didn't stay open. I don't, yeah, I probably failed. Yeah. <laughs> probably for the best. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> did you meet? Uh, did you meet long trailers when you entered Vermont? Yeah, yeah, we did. That was that. That was like another kind of weird culture shock, I think, because a lot of them were in the same sort of like mental space that we were in in Georgia. So I could like understand them, but I knew that I like wasn't on their same page at like my point in the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You feel like you were giving them like pointers and tips? Um, yeah, uh, only, only really if they asked, like, I really like have this thing where like, if people offer unsolicited advice, it like really annoys me. Um, but there was there was one hiker, we were, we were at a shelter, and he had, like, so much food. And he was like, we were trying to like, help him like, pare down his food, like for his next resupply, like his bag of oats was like, this bit, like, <laughs> But, but like really only if like people asked specifically, I, I, you know, let people do their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go back and finish the long trail or do you have any desire to do that? Uh, it's funny that you ask. I attempted the long trail in 2019, oh. wow. um, but did not make it very far. I hadn't done like a ton of research. I feel like I was just sort of like going on the fly all of my equipment my wilderness therapy equipment so like clunky and heavy and I um don't think I was really in the right like mental space just like hadn't really like gotten my mind focused on hiking um so I didn't make it that far um and I do feel like I need to go back and do it as sort of like a redemption run um Absolutely. but the mud in Vermont got me this year so i might need to like wait a few years before i go <laughs> yeah. anything related to vermud just do it in the fall just do it when it's like just peak gorgeousness yeah. yeah that sounds way more desirable <laughs> <laughs> um how was hiking back to um how wait how long did you live in new hampshire for how was hiking back to where you were born yeah um i lived in New Hampshire till middle school and then also lived in Boston for a long time before I moved to Asheville. Um, so hiking back north felt, well, one, it felt really great because you like, that was what everyone had like talked about for the whole trail. It was like, you know, once you get to New England, like that's the home stretch. Um, but it also kind of like, just felt like home. That's kind of where my parents had taken 
me hiking as a child and um it was just like yeah I know I know these woods like I don't maybe don't know these woods but I know I know these woods and it just um it felt it felt like I was walking home if I was walking north I don't know that even though I live in Asheville now like if I had gone southbound I don't think that would have really necessarily felt like walking home for me gotcha did you um did you know like the sections between what was it like Hanover all the way to the beginning of the whites um no I had mostly hiked just like day hikes in the in the whites um when I lived in Boston and when I lived in New Hampshire when I was younger gotcha did you know what to expect like difficulty wise since you had hiked that like were you going in with the mindset like okay this is gonna be tough or did you find it easier than before? Um, I think I do. No, I I knew kind of like what the terrain looked like. I had I had just never done it quite consistent consistently with a huge pack. Um, uh, my very first backpacking trip, like ever, was the Pemi Loop in the Whites a couple oh, years wow. ago. Oh wow! Um, and we were such amateurs like I again like hopped on a trip last minute like nobody had a water filter it was like Memorial Day weekend it was nine <laughs> we thought like four water bottles would be fine for the whole weekend um but I've come a long way from that <laughs> um but but I think I knew I knew I knew what the terrain looked like um we really we didn't plan really aggressive mileage and we got really lucky with the weather window. Um, so we just sort of like went on a day, day basis. Nice. What was your favorite view in the whites? Oh man. Um, we had an awesome day on the presidentials. Mm. Really awesome day. We were hiking up from Mitzvah to Mount Washington and it was really cloudy and foggy when we left. And just as we were hiking up, like the clouds just like lifted and lifted and lifted till as we reached the lake of the clouds hut, there were clouds swirling around the top of Washington. And then hiked up and everything was clear. And like the whole presidential stretch was clear. And I mean, we we got super lucky. Nice. Wait, did you go all the way from Inspa all the way over the Traverse in one day? Yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Right. So I guess we, yeah, we got up Mitzvah, Washington, Presidential Traverse, and then you come down Madison, right, which is horrible then. And there's a, I think it's called Osgood. There's a campground, like, right at the base. Yeah. Your mic is cutting out just a little. We just yeah. kind of lost see hopefully that's better um i was gonna say we went over what was webster's cliffs webster's cliffs is that right before you start the climb over the presidential traverse we we camped right on the cliffs yeah we camped right on the cliffs and then did it all yeah i think we were gonna stop at whatever the shelter was right before going over madison and going down um and so we started really early in the morning on Webster's, went over the entire thing. And then we got to that shelter or a hut and it closed. And we were like, 
what do we do? We were like, it. we have an hour until it gets dark. The wind was very strong that day. Yeah, the wind was really gnarly. And we were like, I, we don't want to go over Madison. Well, one of our friends had tried to go over and had to come back down, so. Oh, no. Yeah, so we ended up going down a side trail and camping on a tent platform, like half a mile straight down a hill. Yeah, and then we the and we kind of like waddled our way to the nearest highway and just like <laughs> and skipped hitched. Madison and hitched into Gorham. <laughs> yeah, so were all the huts just entirely closed last year? You could get food. You could get food. Okay. Okay. But yeah, they, that was pretty annoying. They, you said they closed on you guys. Well, they were closing early. Like, they they would say, I think we got there at 4.30, and they said they were going to close at 5, and they had, like, closed up for the night already. Like, I feel like, like, leading up to the, there was so much stress, like, thinking about, like, miles and, then like, weather and how to plan that out. And if, like, something had happened and it had gotten, like, really windy, what do you do? There was, I don't know, it, it felt very stressful leading up to tackling the whites because it wasn't very clear on what you could or couldn't do as a through hiker. Um, and I think it made more sense when you, once you were in it. Um, but I definitely felt a lot of stress, like leading up to the whites because I was like, uh, what if I get caught up in a storm and I am not paying like $150 for like a hut bed? I, I don't, I just don't understand how that works. Um, I, feeling a lot of stress like just yeah like what we were and weren't allowed to do yes mm -hmm. absolutely um so you finished the white and then you entered maine yeah and you need to explain the moose pants that all of you were wearing yes. on the border <laughs> um yeah they're like we, so we were in gorham in just like a little gift shop and one of my friends had pulled out these like they were called magic boxers because they were really small and if you put them in water they would grow <laughs> that we had like needed something for our main border picture um because we had had our like party mile for the new hampshire picture hampshire border picture um, and we were just like really into moose, like the idea of moose going into Maine. Um, so we found these boxers and thought they would make a really good photo op. That's <laughs> a story there is behind that. <laughs> Did you see any moose in Maine? We, we, we saw one. I saw one. Um, so we were hiking. I don't remember where we were hiking to. It was definitely before we got to Monson. Um, I think it was like two days before we got to Monson and, um, my friend had kind of bushwhacked off the trail um, to go swimming uh, in a river that we were hiking next to. Um, and she had heard myself and then another girl hiking down the trail. And she was like, bug bite, sunrise, like come swim with me. So we were all just like hanging out at the river on the rocks. And we heard this huge clattering to the left of us. And there was just a moose crossing the river um, going up into the woods. And I was very excited because I had really to see a moose. That is awesome. That's cool. Yeah, there's yeah. poop everywhere on the trail. I'm surprised I did not see more than one. Yep. Mm. Well, I'm amazed at some of those places that, like, you see the moose poop because it seems like such a dense forest that, like, and it's so steep that you're like, how on earth did a moose even get up here to begin with? I know. I know. We heard, um, I don't remember the name of the campsite, but we had camped at one campsite 
Um, and we heard a moose in the woods at night, and that thing is loud. Like, mm. and I was like, I am not entirely sure what I'm supposed to do if this comes into camp. I like you <laughs> into camp. You're really loud. I was like, I'm just gonna be really quiet because I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just like right across the path, and we just like heard it kind of eating and like clomping away. Wow. <laughs> Um, did you do any slack packing during the thruk? I slack packed once. Um, um, I am but not slack packing for most of the trail. Not really because I had anything against it. I just it never really happened. Um, and then by the time I got to New Hampshire, I think I was like, well, like I haven't slack packed yet. Like. I don't know if I should slack pack at all. I don't know. People have these like such grandiose ideas about like what you should or shouldn't do on the trail. And I, I didn't come into the trail with like any sort of opinion on it. Um, and I still have no opinion on it really. Um, but it just never really materialized um, until we got to Maine and we were staying in Andover, I think it was. Um, and we decided to stay two nights at the same hostel because I think if you come in Andover there's like a 10 mile stretch where there's like two exit points there's like south arm road and then a different exit point into Andover and at that point we were just sort of like well like let's treat ourselves let's stay another night at a hostel um it just did not it did not make sense to bring my full pack if we were going back to the same hostel and um yeah slack packing was a lot of fun <laughs> Uh, nice. Like a, a really good time. And um, that was the only time that I slack packed, but not really because I have an opinion on it. It was just the only time it really worked out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And honestly, in my opinion, we did it, we did it probably a handful of times. And I just, it, th it throws me off of my rhythm just because yeah. like, I don't want to put the heavy pack back on. So like just getting into rhythm for me was really yeah, I, first time we did it, we were all the way down in Tennessee and a trail angel picked us up and he was like, yeah, I'll slack pack you guys like 10 miles. But then we were still planning to go farther than that for we the rest go, of the day. We, we had to go over Big Bald. With our pack, with after our pack. we had slack packed 12 miles. And so we're like going up Big Bald with like an extra 30 pounds <laughs> and we're just trudging our way up. He gave us McDonald's on the way up too. And so we're like, like stuffing a cheeseburger in our mouth, like just dying going up. <laughs> Uh, so I just, yeah, I, I feel like slack packing is great if you can do it for the entire day and you're going back to something you can relax with and not, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think my only thing on it was like, I don't really like want to pay to slack pack was like my only thing going into the trail. And so, um, but yeah, I really, I mean, I feel like people have such strong opinions about how you should hike the trail and I really don't care what anyone else does on the trail. I just... <laughs> <laughs> understand yeah you hike the way you want to hike the trail and um yeah i'll do i'll do my own thing too what was your zeroing strategy um did you like do big miles into a town and then zero did you do i don't know i just feel like everyone has a different approach to it yeah i think i was more of a fan of the nero um if we had Neroed into town, I generally did not zero the next day. Um, I think I really only took zeros when I felt like I needed them. 
Um, I didn't necessarily have like a specific clan that I kept to. Um, but I was a big fan of the Nero for sure. Just to kind of maximize my time into town. Like I remember not taking a lot of zeros somewhere in the middle of the trail and then just feeling like super exhausted. Um, and so we, I was just like, I need a zero. So I'm going to take a zero, but I know there were like some folks I met on like I zero once a week or like had very specific plans for that. But mine was more just sort of like off the cuff when I felt like I needed one um, and trying to like maximize Nero's so that I wouldn't have to like spend two nights in town. What was your Nero mileage? Because some people I remember we saw, they were like, yeah, I'm doing a Nero. I just got done with 14 miles. And I'm like, that's not a Nero. You're tired. Like take the day off. <laughs> no, I would say like, six or seven or below is a Nero. I don't know. I still feel yeah. like, mm -hmm. like 14 miles is still a day. Like, at least for me, like that's still like, that, that's still like a day. That's not, I wouldn't classify that as a Nero, but yes, there is definitely a lot of controversy around like what constitutes a Nero for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, which state did you like better? Did you like uh, Maine or New Hampshire more? Ooh, I know. <sighs> That's so hard. Um, <laughs> I think I'm biased. I think I just like have been to New Hampshire. So I loved my time in New Hampshire, but objectively Maine is probably more beautiful. Mm. I think I just felt exhausted, like mentally and physically in Maine. Mm -hmm. um, even though like that state is so stunning. I think I, I liked my New Hampshire time a little bit better, though both are yeah. gorgeous and like beautiful states. Yeah, Maine beats you up. It's hard. Yeah, it's it not does. an easy place to end at all. But also, like, props to Sobos for starting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, props to the Sobos. Did you meet, or when did you like meet your first Sobos, or did you? I remember meeting my first Sobo at Did not see another one until Vermont and then met like the big bubble of them around like in, in New Hampshire. So like I met like a ton of them in Hanover and then a good number of them like up through the whites. So I think New Hampshire was sort of like when I met the, the bulk of them. Were they still excited? Were they still in their honeymoon phase? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that they felt um, really accomplished because they had like made it through the whites, like as they should. Um, and they had a lot of bad weather. A lot of them had like a lot of bad weather through the whites. Um, but yeah, I like I felt kind of bad because I just feel like all of the Nobos, like when we got there, we were just like, oh man, like we're just so tired and everything hurts. And they were still like very, very excited. And um, I didn't want to rain on anyone's parade, but mm -hmm. tired. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. <laughs> do you um do you feel like you started slowing down in Maine, not just from a physicality standpoint, but did you like want to soak up the rest of the trail? Um. A little bit. So definitely from a physicality standpoint, we were doing less miles. Um, and then we ramped it back up again in the 100 mile wilderness because we had someone in our tramway that had a deadline. 
Mm. all wanted to summit together. Um, and I think there was like just a part of me, like once I got to Shaw's, I knew that I would miss it as soon as I was done. But I also was like, I have to be done. Like my body, being so, like my, like my foot, like with the plantar fasciitis was just like, I was wrapping it up so much and just trying to like take ibuprofen just to like make it to the end of the trail. And um, I just felt like, very physically bent. Um, yeah. So it was like, it was, it was so many like emotions going through my head and in the hundred miles, you're like, you know, it's ending, but you want it to end, but you don't want it to end. And I, I assume everyone goes through a very similar like progression of feelings. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, but we did not, we didn't really slow down in the hundred mile wilderness. Um, and I think there are pros and cons to both, but we just, we wanted to summit with, with our family member. So mm-hmm. it all just the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Nice. Did you have a vision of what um, the hundred mile wilderness was going to be like? Cause I feel like a lot of people hype it up in their heads and then it is completely different than yeah. what they expect it to be. Um. <sighs> yeah. Um. I think I had heard it was like very flat and very easy. Yeah. Which comparatively, yes, but also there are still mountains that you're climbing. Um, man, I don't, I don't know what it is that the journey's ending. Um, and so you're having like a lot of feelings about it. I don't, I don't, I don't really know that the hundred mile wilderness was like very like weirdly nostalgic time for me. Um, and you know that you're very close to your destination. So it feels, it, I don't know. I, I, I'm not having the right words in this moment for what I'm trying to explain, but, um, it definitely wasn't what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I, thought it was going to be very remote and there was going to be no people out there but it was it felt like the same trail you know like it just felt like it had named the hundred mile wilderness but was still was still the at yeah Mm -hmm. looking back on it like i guess it was a year ago to the day no not a year ago to the day it's it's almost been a year since we've we've done it but um i don't know it felt very like those were the, like the final moments to really soak up with the people that you came all that this way with. And so it was like more than just seeing how beautiful it was and like hiking it. Like I've really looked forward to just like getting to camp and being with the people that I was with and just like really reminiscing about the entire trail. Um, yeah. It's definitely like a good like thartic moment of just like really like processing like, okay, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. like, a week from now, I'm not going to be here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I feel similarly. And we had a really awesome crew around us. Um, and it just felt really nice to end on that note, sort of like have those few days in the hundred mile wilderness and like kind of have like what we called like the last supper, like at Katata. Yes or tense up for like the last you know like share those moments with people and being like yeah like we all we're all like saying our goodbye to the trail um like in days leading up to katahdin yeah absolutely yeah
Um, what was what was your approach to the hundred mile wilderness? Did you do it like did you carry for eight days or did you get picked up at Joe Mary? We had a we had a tr we had a food drop halfway through. I gotcha. would. I, I got to the end. Of, I got to Maine, and I was like, I am not carrying more than three days of food. Like, I'm <laughs> yep. Yeah. Drops people who like carry for the whole thing, but no, we did a food drop, and that was definitely the move. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. Did you guys carry for the whole? No, no. We literally we got picked up at Joe Mary Road, and yeah, we, we went, went back, back to Shaw's. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we definitely did. I would recommend that to anybody. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we were worried about our phones charging towards the end just to be able to film the last couple days. And so we were like, we need to go back and recharge at least for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know about you, but like in the beginning of the hike, we got we got like a good amount of photos. But like towards the end of the hike, it's just it, like it's funny to see the progression from the south to the north on our uh, like our photo feed just to see how many photos we started taking every single day just like trying to soak yeah. in like this tree this person <laughs> this thing um <laughs> so yeah we definitely killed our battery towards the end a lot on our phones yeah i think i did the same thing like i was using my a lot take pictures and like, listen to me like listen to music or whatever yeah in the trail like a lot of people had had rules around like when they could listen music or podcasts um what like out only after lunch or only for two hours of the day and then by the end of the trail everyone was just sort of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so what was your summit day like oh we had awesome weather i we had originally planned on summiting um on a month like monday the 30th um but the weather was calling for like thunderstorms and rain and things like that. Um, so we instead pushed to be able to summit on Sunday, the, 29th, the day before. Um, and as we got closer to that date, the weather started to, the weather projection the day before said 60% uh, chance of rain and complete cloud coverage. And so we were trying to, up the whole day we were like it doesn't matter what the weather is like it's who you summit with and like that's all that matters um and we woke up the next morning and the clouds had started to dissipate and the whole way up was super clear um like a, like a few cloud wisps here and there but i mean we had stunning views we got super lucky we did not expect it at all um and it, it, I mean, yeah, Katahdin is very stunning. So we got super lucky. What was it? What, what, what were you feeling touching the sign? Um, really grateful, I think. Like disbelief, for sure. Like it mm -hmm. really sets in that you're done for, for a little while. Um, but to be surrounded by like people I really care about um and like I, I just you know the whole the whole thing was just like wow like I am super lucky to have had this opportunity to do this with really wonderful people um and I just felt very happy in the moment I think a lot of the other emotions came later but but in that moment it was 
it was like just happiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it um was it was it underwhelming at all? I just feel like a lot of people get up to the sign and they think it's going to be these like fireworks that are going to go off and it's this like grandioso moment and then they touch it and they're like, "Oh, now I have to hike back down." <laughs> um I think I was prepared for it to feel like that or maybe not underwhelming but just not feeling the full range of emotions that one would think you would feel. Um, mm-hmm. I felt that same way when I finished my bike trip. It was sort of like I, I was alone at the ocean and I like dipped my bike tire in and I was like, well, cool. <laughs> um, and it felt more celebratory to have people with me um, for the end of my AT journey um, rather than just just be alone. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I, but I understand like why that would feel underwhelming we did joke a lot did joke a lot about how there needs to be some sort of like helicopter pickup because the (laughs) miles back down like very strenuous (laughs) did you um did you take the same way back down did you take the hunt trail back down we did there had been a couple hikers that had summited the day before us and they told us that a ball was really washed out um, so we just took Hunt back down, uh, which is also very steep. So I'm not sure which is, which ones did you guys do? We did Hunt yeah. just cause it was, it was so. All the rocks were frosted over. It was hailing and windy. So we didn't want to, we were like, stick with the devil, you know, don't go down something that you're not aware of what it's going to be like. Yeah. I'm yeah. for your summit. Yeah. That was, that was, that looked really gnarly. I, Mm, going down that it was terrifying we saw a dead body at the top yeah i remember that story that is that was horrifying <laughs> yeah <laughs> i well i mean day to remember it was <laughs> for sure you're not gonna forget that one <laughs> you, it, it's so hard to get in and out of baxter as it is and so like um, and we and, were so late in the season. And we were so late in the season, too, that, like, we didn't know if, if that was the start of snow season. Like, we didn't know if it was going to get any better. Also, I'm uh, to go back, like, it's you can't stay more than a day at the Birches, right? Birches, yeah, you're not allowed. And also, the Birches were boarded up when we were there because of COVID. And so, luckily, we had... Um, Catan stream there were some available campsites and they're like you could just take those ones and we're like oh okay that's nice but we we got all the way up there and we were like look like i don't think we're going to be able to do this tomorrow and i mean we could but we're just going to fork out another 200 dollars trying to stay somewhere and then trying to redo the same experience let's just like do it now and like a year from now we'll go back to katahdin on a beautiful day and like have a beautiful summit day but um it was it was pretty gnarly <laughs> yeah i want to go back i want to be able to see it like yeah, we got nothing see and i've just seen so many beautiful photos like it just looks amazing and breathtaking that is a gnarly day i i was scared like going up and down that in nice weather so props to you guys <laughs> it was it was nice though too because I remember hyping that moment. I'm like, it's going to be so sad, like going from the gateway to 
the actual sign, just like walking it and like processing it. It was nice to be on a mission and like just not like not feel anything in the body, just like go and touch the sign and get your picture and immediately get off the mountain because it didn't. Your hands were it, it didn't let me have that like really emotional. I don't know moment that a lot of other people have. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it was still pretty bad. <laughs> yep. Um, how has how has your perspective? Maybe life is like a big thing, but how has your perspective of life changed because of through hiking the Appalachian Trail? I think it reminded me to be. I think a lot of times in life, like I have a tendency to, or I guess in wilderness therapy, we have this we have this ter term called future tripping. Um, where you would just really focus on like what was coming up or what you had in your future. And, and that's not to say that you shouldn't make life goals for yourself or, or things to work towards. But um, I think a lot of times like getting caught up in, in what will happen overtakes what's happening in the moment. And on the trail, I mean, you really, you can only really plan as far as your next resupply. Like when people would ask, you know, when will I, when where will I be at, at a certain place? And I'm like, I don't know. I only know when I'm going to like be at my next resupply. Um, and aside, aside from having enough food to get you there, and there's nothing else you really have to worry about. Like you have your tent and you have, um, your sleeping bag and clothes and, um, you just take each day as it comes. Like you can have a plan for mileage, but X, Y, and Z can happen and you can in a place on trail. Um, and I think that that was a really great reminder for me, life for sure that I would take with myself moving forward. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, and living presently really, you don't, re it's crazy how much you remember every single day when you're living presently. Like you can name where you were, when you were, how you were, and like every single day for mm -hmm. six months. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think just like, knowing that I have the tools, I am equipped to like handle what the day throws at me. But we're equipped things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any future hiking plans? Um, yes, I would definitely like to hike more long trails. I, definitely need to recover a bit financially and physically yes. <laughs> moment um but as far as like long distance trails i would love to do the cdt next um, but there are also a lot of like little trails that feel like they might be more manageable in the immediate future mm -hmm. what why the cdt um I would also like to do the PCT, but I feel like the CDT is such of an opposite extreme that the AT is. Maybe I, I that's my perspective anyways, mm -hmm. as far as like number of people and climate and environment and terrain. Um, it feels like it would be a good challenge for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it also looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, we always toyed with um, our Tramley on trail. We were like, yeah, we're definitely going to triple, triple crown. And so we were like, what are we doing next? Are we doing the CDT or are we doing the PCT next? And like one state, we'd be like, we're doing the CDT. And then the next state, we'd be like, no, 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 let's do the PCT. Let's make it easier. And then we're like, no, 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 CDT. Uh, I, we came to the conclusion that the CDT is definitely more of a challenge and that the PCT is definitely like a victory lap type of trail. Um, but we're still doing the PCT next. <laughs> next year? Yep. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I, I just, I'm like, again, I'm, I'm from the East coast. Like the AT was very familiar environment to me and I knew what to expect. And the, both the PCT and the CDT, um, scare me in a good way. Um, especially the desert. I, that just feels like a whole different ball game for me. Um, and would be good to challenge myself, um, in that way for sure. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any, um, advice for future through hackers? Oh, so many. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh God, this is so cliche. Uh, the like hike your own hike thing, I felt like came across passive aggressively a lot on trail. Like if someone <laughs> something and they're like, well, whatever, hike your own hike. But I do think that the the sentiment behind it is is really great, and um, I think if you just slow down in the beginning and just, yeah, like take it a day, take it a day at a time, um, you will find your way and you will find the hike that you're looking for. Um, if you give yourself the patience and the time to find that because I did. And I, you know, I, I lost my original trampoline when I had to get off trail for a few days, um, for my bug bites. And I was, you know, sad about that. Cause that was my first trampoline and, then I found another tramley and, you know, we parted ways at, at some point and that was also sad, but all the people you meet on trail are happen when, when you're supposed to meet them. And, you know, when I was hiking by myself, that was also how it was supposed to be. And I would not change my experience at all. All of those things and all the people I met were, were exactly how they were supposed to, how they were supposed to be. Nice. Nice. Um, what would you tell Bug Bite who's still on trail um, not to take for granted? Oh, man, just like your time to be one with nature. I, it's so special to, to call the woods your home. Mm. Yes, I can go outside right now, but I, I find myself in this moment like actively missing sleeping in my tent and it feel it's it feels like a luxury to be inside and it feels weird to be inside and i'm i'm grateful for that but also yeah the simplicity of trail is is something that you can you can't easily find in civilization government world whatever you want to call it it's it's different yeah it's different yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. government world i like that it's <laughs> a good and accurate way <laughs> yeah well, we were, yeah, um, on trail, we were like, don't tell me your government name. Don't tell me your government yep. name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any other things that you want to throw out to the thru-hiking community? Uh, Anything else you want to say to it? A lot of people going off. 
that I don't know how to turn it off without like exiting this live. Um, <laughs> apologize that it keeps going off. Um, I think what I would tell folks is that everybody is welcome in the outdoors and everybody is a part of this community and um, the woods are for everyone. Um, you should be in the woods. Everyone should get into, out into the woods, whether it's a day hike or whether it's a long hike or whatever capacity you can get outdoors. Um, you should do that. Sweet. Nice. Nice. <laughs> cool. Well, um, thank you for coming on to the live chat with us. It was, it was a lot of fun talking mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. Um, I hope that post trail treats you as kindly as it can because it is, it is tough, but um, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I don't think so. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Yep. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to watch you guys tackle the PCT next year. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. And hope I hope you get on trail for the fall and like see the beautiful fall colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Definitely day hikes, but that's the plan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy mm -hmm. it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk to you later. Bye. See you later. We hope you enjoyed the conversations of episode nine. It was a blast to connect with our first 2021 AT through hiker here on Trail Talks and see her perspective on the current through hiking season. If you want to join in on future live chats, you can head over to our Instagram, which is at Let's Trek Together. We go live once a week, usually on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are a through hiker and want to be a guest on a future episode, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or by email, which is Let's Trek Together at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, let's, let's trek, trek together. together.